Holidays are for us. God doesn't take them. But I'm thankful for times of rest and relaxation. And I'm thankful for what today means. But beyond Memorial Day, there's a, a much greater day of significance that is represented today. You know I'm not much on a liturgical calendar at all. But there are some things that rise above liturgy. <laughs> How many of you know what today would be besides Memorial Day weekend? Pentecost Sunday. That's the day that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ was born. Hello? I find it amazing that the prophets didn't see it. There's no indication that any prophet saw the church. But Paul wrote that it was a foreordained plan before the foundations of the world, what the prophets didn't see. There's a lot of people that have a lot of ideas of what Pentecost is. It just means 50th, 50 days. It's 50 days after, after Passover. And it's about the harvest, amazingly. Think it any coincidence that it's about the harvest. It's not about a denomination, God forbid, or even a doctrine. It was God's plan for the church, His church, the body of Christ, you. It's okay if you go ahead and come to church this morning. It's 10 after 11. It's all right if you go ahead and show up. We're going to spend just a few moments in Acts chapter 2, maybe more than a few, but we're going to turn to Acts chapter 5 in just a moment because there's something I want you to see in an unusual way on this Pentecost Sunday. There's something that needs to return to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that there's a cry for holiness again because you know what? God is holy. He said, be ye holy as I am holy. We have all kinds of ideas about what holy is. It's not the way you dress. But it'll affect the way you dress. See, I'll talk about a lot of things this morning, about what a lot of people think Pentecost and Pentecostal is and, and what holiness is and all, and all of those things. I, Pentecost is, is not a denomination. It's not, it's not tongues. It's not any of those things. And holiness is not the way you dress, but it might affect, it not, not might, it will affect the way you dress. You'll, you'll, you'll cover up what was meant to be between you and your spouse. Men and women, by the way. Women have bore that burden all of my life when I see men running around that leave little to the imagination in their dress too, and they're wrong. But we didn't come to get on the clothesline. I'm just telling you that when you're holy, God said, be ye holy as I am holy. When you're holy, it'll affect the way you dress. It'll affect where you go. How you talk. Here's, a, here's one that'll 
cut the amens down, who you hang out with. Because like it or not, bad company still corrupts good character, according to the Word of God. So when you have this crazy idea that you're going to hang out with a bunch of heathens, but you're going to be light, you're wrong. You're just wrong. Because bad company, it doesn't say good company brings up bad behavior. It says bad company corrupts good behavior. You can keep company with more than people. Oh. You can keep company with a book and an author. You can keep company. Hey, I, know, I know lots of people that keep company weeks at a time with screens and computers, video games and pornography and everything else. Come on, somebody. Too early to get quiet. Then act like it's no big deal. Holiness has to return to the body of Christ. See, without holiness, no man shall see God. But what is that? What's holy? But, there, but in just a few moments, there's something that I want to talk about beyond, and it won't just be today, because there's something we've lost. If you want to know what the, one of the biggest things that's been lost in the world today, and it's happened through time over and over, it's this. It's what will cause people to surf Facebook when the Word of God's being preached. It's what will cause people to be bored when the Spirit of God is moving. I'll tell you, that disturbs me. When you can see the Spirit of God moving and look across the place and half of the congregation is somewhere else in their mind, there's something that causes that. Paul said in Romans 1 that there would come a place where people would be inventors of evil. We're seeing that. People, when there's not enough evil to go around, we make up, create new things to be evil with. And I can tell you what we've lost. And I never mind pointing to the pulpit when the church lost something. Hello? We have lost our fear of God. As a church, as a nation, as families, as a generation, what you can point to where even the ones that name the name of Jesus Christ are indifferent about his presence, about his word, about his moving, about what's going on in the world and in their own families. It is a loss of the fear of the living God. You say, oh, you sound like you're going to preach some Old Testament. No, I'm going to preach the word of God and start out in Acts. It's the reason I mentioned Pentecost Sunday, the day the church was born. When the new covenant come into fullness, hello. Jesus has now came and lived a sinless life. He's now offered his life as a ransom for the whole world by this point. He has freely given his life on, on, on Calvary's cross according to prophecy. He's now died and been buried three days like he said he would do. Tear down this temple and in three days I will raise it up again. He has now said, but people are looking for a sign. Everybody always looking for a sign. He said, 
Show me and I'll believe. That's not how it works. He said, you're an evil generation that looks for a sign. He said, the only sign you're going to receive is the sign of Jonah, who spent three days and three nights in the belly of a well. And he was speaking prophetically of his own death, burial, and resurrection. So by now he's died on the cross. He's went to the tomb three days. Now he's resurrected. Now he's walked about among the men for, for, for 40 days. And it says through many infallible proofs in that time, that's Acts 1, that he's shown himself. Yes? And now he has been glorified. He has ascended to his Father in Acts chapter 1. Yes. Hello? <laughs> that's one of my favorites, this same Jesus. I've preached this same Jesus all over the world. <laughs> Why stand you here gazing? It says, as he spoke this thing, he said a cloud received him out of their sight. And it says, there was two men in wide apparel that appeared before him and said, Why stand you here gazing? He said, for this same Jesus that you've seen go away will come again in like manner as you've seen him leave. Before he left, he said, go tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Pentecost is about power. I told you last Sunday night, if you were here in meeting, listen to me. We're going to take text here in just a second. We're laying foundation. I told you I, all over this place how many have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was amazed at MAG, how many. I was, I was, I was relieved and amazed and disgusted all at the same time. How could you say that? Because if there was as many people baptized in the Holy Spirit as raised their hands last Sunday night, then it was enough people to absolutely turn the golden triangle upside down, but it will barely raise a suspicion that you even are His. God help us. See, you didn't give... Right, let me reset a few bones. He didn't, he didn't baptize people in the Holy Spirit so they have a prayer language. I'm with Brother Clinton, and we've reduced, we've reduced God. Somebody say God. The Holy Spirit is God. We've reduced God down to a prayer language. When it's nothing more than the initial physical evidence that he has came into your life in fullness, it's the first evidence. It's not the only evidence. You shall, somebody, see there's some things could be's in the Bible, should be's in the Bibles, and there's same things that are shall be's in the Bible. Shall be's are not optional. It says you, who's you? You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has came upon you, and you shall be. Neil, it doesn't say one thing about your pastor shall be. Or the evangelist shall be, or the prophet shall be, or the apostle shall be, or the teacher shall be. It says you shall be, because you know what? The pastor, the prophet, the apostle, the evangelist, the teacher are part of the body of Christ. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's where you live. Hello, Mac Church. In Samaria, that's around you. In Judea, that's further around you. That, and all, and to all the uttermost parts of the world, that's everywhere you can possibly go. 
you shall be my witnesses. And they still don't know what he's talking about because it hasn't came. Hmm. Go tarry you in Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. Acts 2 and 1 says, And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all, somebody say all, in one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound, and suddenly there came a sound, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Let the wind blow again, God. Is there anybody in this house that is even your prayer, even your thought, to let the wind blow again, God? Come on, somebody. Are you even out there? And it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and set on each of them. How many of them? Each of them. Some of them? Each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the utterance, as the Spirit gave them the ability. Oh, people tripped up churches, whole denominations, whole dispensations tripped up over tongues when the Holy Spirit ne was never tongues. Holy Spirit's not tongues. Holy Spirit is God. Tongues. People talking about tongues. Everybody hung up on tongues and become so irreverent and belligerent over tongues. Oh, let me talk to you just a minute. Build home ministries and coming against the power of Pentecost. I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me, Mag Church. Listen to me later. I don't care what denomination you're from. The Word of God trumps your denomination. And let me tell you something. There's some things that is written in this Word. It says, forbid not. I've even heard the work of the Holy Spirit attributed to the devil. Oh, I'm going somewhere. Let me tell you something. When you start attributing the work of the Holy Spirit to the devil in the name of the gospel, you have lost your fear of God. You say, that's not the God that I, that I know. I know because it's not the God that's been preached for all of my life. Said so it's a fearful thing, a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. We think there's an Old Testament God and a New Testament God. He's the same God. Amen. I'm the Lord your God and I never change. We have a generation that love God, the things of God, but have no fear. We don't even talk about it, don't even know what it means. I expect a little quiet space. The fear of God is not being afraid of God. 
The only people in the word of God that were afraid of God are the people that had transgressed against him. When Adam and Eve ate of the tree in the garden and God came down to walk with them, it says they hid themselves for that because they were afraid. Fear of God comes, it's, it's, a, it's a holy reverence for just who he is. The fear of God balances the love of God. The liberty of God. Oh, y'all, I can already, the wheels are starting to grind a little now. Power came on the day of Pentecost to the point that, that Peter the denier became Peter the proclaimer. And Peter the proclaimer saw the church born and 5,000 people added to the church in one day or 3,000 added to the church in one day. And I'm laying out Pentecost because I want you to see something in Acts chapter 5, lest you think it's Old Testament. Are you aware? Acts chapter 5. Let's read a second. Acts chapter 5, verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back a part of the price his wife, but also being privy to it, that means she knew what was going on. Oh, God, help me not to talk about people knowing what's going on and doing nothing right now. God, help me. Do you want to know how you can have denominational leadership that knows you have child molesters in their midst all over the district and, 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 and don't say anything when they're privy to what's going on? I can tell you why. Because they've lost their fear of God. Yes, that's the current situation. That's how it goes on for a decade. I didn't do it. It wasn't me. They wouldn't even credential minister. You were privy to it. God, help us. No, I'll not shut up. She was privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Keep in mind, God never asked for their possessions. Keep in mind, they could have given anything they wanted to, as much or as little. They laid a part in it, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? What was that? Peter wasn't at the transaction. Immediately after, after Pentecost, immediately after Peter was filled with power, Peter began to walk in the gifts of the Spirit, and there's a word of knowledge that came to Peter. It says, Ananias, what have you done? That you would lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of the land while it remained, while it was yours? <laughs> was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your own in your own power? Why have you conceived in your, this thing in your heart, but you have not lied to men, but to God? 
And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came upon them that heard these things. There is doctrine going all over the world that you can live any way you want to if you're in Christ and that you're going to be okay. That is a total rejection of the gospel of Jesus Christ and of the fear of God. It's not legalism to obey God. Somebody hear me. It's not legalism to obey God. I've told you many times lately, God, you as a believer, you should love the things that God loves. You should hate the things that God hates. And the problem in the church today is that we tolerate the things that God hates. We may get upset about it. We may gripe about it. We may post about it. But we tolerate the things that God hates. No reverence of its presence. No consider legalism. Legalism is loving the thing. Is it literally when people love the things that God hates? Proverbs tells you just six of the things God hates. Yay, seven are an abomination. That means it's detestable to God. A great fear fell upon them. What's it say? Proverbs chapter 7 or chapter 6. Six things does God the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination, a proud look. He still hates your pride. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans, imaginations. Feet that are swift to running to mischief. Oh, that boy of mine, he's just into everything. He's a mess. Running from one trouble to the other. Y'all are too quiet. It's not cute. It's not wild oats. It's rebellion. And God hates it. Swift to miss you. When you can do right, but you do wrong just for the fun of it. I remember a, a guy I grew up with had every privilege there was to have. Hello? I remember him telling me a story got in a slow time at work one day about... How when he was a senior in high school, that they went all over town with the 22 shooting out streetlights all over the place. With a smile on his face talking about what fun they had. I said, yeah, I remember that. It about broke the city. Nobody was ever caught, but he's sitting there telling me that he done it. Talking about family with means. Talking about upstanding pillars of the community. In church every Sunday. And was running from one wickedness to another wickedness. Let me tell you, that stuff is wickedness. It's not cute. It's not funny. It's, it's not boredom. It's wickedness. And God hates it. 
You know what it is? No fear. The psalmist, or in Proverbs, it tells you this, give instruction to the wise, and he will be the wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. Listen to me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He's talking to the body of Christ. The fear of the Lord is the beginning, not the ending. It's not the maturing of wisdom, Scott. See, we think that when people begin to fear the Lord that they're maturing in the faith. No, it's the beginning of the faith. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And he will increase, uh, is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. I told you, he expects holy and there's godly fear. Oh, there's been people take out of context and say that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. It's not what he's talking about that God's not giving us. A spirit of fear doubts everything that God ever said. When you fear the Lord, you respect him, that you take him at his word just because he said it. You understand, it's not I'm afraid that he's going to kill me. Well, that's not the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is he's awesome, and he's incredible, and he's good, and he's right, and he's for me. He's not against me, and because I, he loves me, because the one, the, the God that, that watches over the circle of the earth, will he not do right? It's because I know that he's got my best interest at heart. It's not, I don't obey him out of obligation, out, out of I'm scared of going to hell I fear him I reverence him because he's awesome because he's incredible because his presence deserves my full attention because his words are life because he's given everything for me we've lost our fear of God we've lost our fear of God Fear of God, you say, fear of God, that fear, that, that I'm not talking about religious dogma that, uh, that people get all caught up in. I'm talking about such a reverence. People try to tell you today, the false teacher, the false prophet, this world would have you believe that the fear of God is what drives people away from the church. Let me continue to read in Acts chapter 5 that a great fear fell upon them that heard it. In verse 7 it says that it was about the space of three hours after. When his wife, not knowing what was done, she didn't know he was already dead because he lied to God. I want you to know what God has done from Acts chapter 2 to Acts chapter 5. He's poured out his spirit. He's given power. He's put his spirit in the heart of man for the first time and created history. He, he's given the, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. He's put it in the heart of man. The, the, the gospel begins to spread like a wildfire. Persecution comes immediately, but the church continues to grow in the midst of it all because that's what the power of God will do. And people, lest they, lest they think they've got something that, that has no balance, that immediately when people try to take the liberty, they're 
the freedom that's in Christ and, and make it a lascivious thing that immediately God demonstrates himself that he is still powerful, that he's still holy, and you're not going to lie to me and make a mockery of who I am. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. That whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. You say, that's God exactly. It, that sowing and reaping is nothing more than the lost thing of this age. It's nothing more than receiving the consequences of your own actions. He said, if you think, God is literally saying in the book to the letter in Galatians that if you think you're going to mock me with your liberty, you've got something else coming. God is not mocked. With Ananias and Sapphira, he's demonstrating to the early church right off the bat, if you think you're going to come in here and walk in power and shake your fist in my face and lie to me, And young, in verse 8 says, And Peter answered her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. And Peter said to her, How is it that you've agreed together to tempt, to test the Spirit of God? It was a conspiracy. Y'all not hearing me? To test the, he said, Behold, the feet of them that have buried your husband are at the door and shall carry you out. Did Peter kill her? No. And she fell down immediately at his feet and yielded up the ghost. She died. And the young men came in and found her dead and carried her forth and buried her in the, with her husband. Listen in verse 11. And great fear came upon all of the church. And upon as many as heard these things. But I want you to hear the next verses. Lest you think that the fear of God is an awful thing. That the fear of God is an Old Testament thing. That you think the fear of the God drives people from the church. It says when God demonstrated his power, when you, when you, tempt, when you assault his character, assault who is it, you think you're going to lie to him, you take his presence for granted, you take his grace for granted, you take the penalty that he paid for granted. Think about what I'm saying. He says, listen, verse 11, a great fear came up on the church and as many as heard these things without a pause, without another chapter, without another paragraph, without even another verse. Listen, it says, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among those people. Amen. And they were all in one accord on Solomon's porch. There was nothing like a demonstration of God's awesome power to bring people back together. Amen. And the rest, somebody say the rest, dared no man to join with them but the people magnified them and the believers, listen, listen, listen what it says. And the believers were the more added to the Lord. Multitudes, multitudes, multitudes. The more were added to the Lord. Multitudes, both men and women. How? Why? How? Why? 
because the fear of God came to the church. When you are in agreement with God, you have nothing to be afraid of. In so much, how much, how much, in so much that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches and that at least the shadow of Peter passing might thought the overshadow some. And there also came out a mul- there also came a multitude out of the city of the Ru- Jerusalem bringing the sick folks to them which were vexed with unclean devils and they were healed every one. When you preach the love of God and people walk in the fear of God, there is a powerful combination that will bring his presence to the place where people will get saved, people will get delivered, people will get healed. You're not going to disrespect and and count the blood of Jesus as a casual thing. Hebrews says you counted the blood of Jesus as a casual thing. Americans think they're saved because they're Americans. (laughs) Way too many people wearing dresses and, 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 and long shirt sleeves with their hair in just the right position think they're saved because of their heredity and their denominational standing. They counted the blood of Jesus a casual thing. Reduce holiness to do's and to don'ts and to can's and to can'ts. No regard. We can have a meeting, pack the houses, and have no presence. We have politicians that we have because the church has lost its fear of God. You, you want me to explain to you very quickly why we have the reprobates in office that we have today? Because the reprobates in the pew voted for them. That's why. Because they have no fear of God. They think they'll have their cake and eat it too. I'll have have the freebies, the handouts, and the bonuses. I don't care if they're killing people right and left, if they're murdering babies, if they're they're ordaining and if they're commissioning things that are against the word of God through their courts. We don't care. Give me mine and I'll be holy on Sunday. Paul's letter to the... Philippian, to, from his prison epistle, Philippians. Hear me, young people. You're the most casual of all, and it's mom and dad's fault. Being casual with God in his presence. I look in this church, look across the place, and young people were sitting with glazed over eyes and bored to death because they've never experienced the love and the power of God for themselves. While we're playing tiddlywinks with the things of God. And we wonder how it happened. We wonder how, I'm telling you how it happened. Say, I'm never coming to this church again. Good, you heard it once. (laughs) That's another problem. Can I just tell you a few of the things? It's it's because preachers have been more concerned about about the return reciprocation than they had about the truth of God's word. 
They're more concerned today with internet and, 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 and Facebook and YouTube and, and cameras and, and, and streaming ability. They're more concerned about building an influence and building a following than they are about making disciples and telling people the truth. I'm going to remind you of something, church. It says to work out your own salvation. It doesn't say with parties and with get-togethers. New Testament. Work out your own salvation. Not with offerings and with meetings. Not with volunteering. Work out your own salvation with fear. That's respect and with trembling. When we've lost our ability to tremble, I'm not talking, see, we think about fear and trembling being I'm scared of God and, and, and when his presence showed up, I'm scared to death of him. Fear and, trem, fear and trembling is respect and the trembling comes with the, with the glory and his majesty of who he is, that you're, that you're flesh in the presence of a holy God. When Isaiah saw him, he said, I, he said when, when Isaiah saw him, he said, that I'm, oh, I'm undone. Woe is me. When, when John walked with, see, they walked with him on earth, but the people at the tomb didn't recognize him until he spoke. Disciples walked on the road to Emmaus, didn't know who he was. They ate with him. They talked with him. They saw him in his humanity, not yet glorified. But I'm going to tell you what John the Revelator said. I was in the spirit. You didn't hear me. See, flesh, flesh can't be in that holy presence. John the Revelator wrote in Revelation chapter 1, he says, I was in the spirit. On the sea, you couldn't do it, couldn't do it in the flesh. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And it says, I saw him. And what happened when he saw him? He said, I fell on my face as a dead man. In his awesome presence of the one that had eyes as a flame of fire and hair that was white like wool that had feet like fine brass that had been in the fires of the furnace. And he said when he spoke that he had the voice of many, that thundered like the voice of many waters. I fell on my face as dead. When you pair the love of God with the fear of God, you'll see the power of God. Church, I'm telling you, Mag, I'm telling you, for first-time visitor, when you pair, when you get, when you are washed by the blood of Jesus, when you pair the love of God with the respect of His awesome power of who He is, and His awesome holiness, and His awesome goodness, and and the awesome revelation that you were a dead man walking without Him, then the awesome knowledge that if He withdrew His Spirit and His breath, that every thing on earth would die in an instant the book says when you understand who he is and what he's done for you that God didn't do you any favors that God 
Boy, I got to talk a second. We've, re- we've, re- we've reduced God to a, to a slot machine. Through most of the church. Heard all my life preach, if you give to this, that God has to give you. Don't act like you hadn't heard it. Everybody hear something. God saved me and you. Sent his son, not because he owed me anything. He saved me, made a way back to him. When, trans, when sin separated us, he made a way back to himself that he didn't have to do. Not because he owed mankind anything. He owed mankind nothing. He's God. But because he loved me. Because he loved you. He made a way back for you. For God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son. The whosoever believeth on him should not perish. If you don't have him, you're going to die. And he's not talking about going to the graveyard in a casket. He's talking about eternally separated from him forever. Shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God commended his own love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And this entitled society, and it is, we need to understand, I owe him everything. He owes me nothing. If he never done another thing for mankind other than what was done at Calvary, The old songwriter wrote, he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I've got nothing to offer except me, my life, my everything. We're called and commissioned as a body. To give the world the truth of God's word. Said work out your own salvation with fearing and trembling. Because it is God. Who's given in you. Both the will and to do. His good pleasure. Thank you Lord. It's not a hard gospel. It's not a hard thing. He's not a hard God. He's a loving God. An awesome God. An incredible God who gave you, that gave us more than we could have ever imagined and ever deserved. And I got news. Brandon, you can come back. When the love of God and the fear of God returns to the church, the power of God will show up right in the middle of it. When the love of God and the fear of God returns to the church, when we stop tolerating the things God hates, In ourselves, in our family, in our church, believers were added to the Lord multitudes. 
Multitudes. Multitudes. Why? Because God demonstrated his power in a way that he would not be mocked. Let me help somebody understand something that maybe you're not so spiritually minded that you need. Maybe I can say it a different way. When the Germans were marching across Europe, enslaving whole countries, killing Jews by the millions just because of who they were, when Imperial Japan was on the other side of the world trying to destroy on this Memorial Day weekend, hundreds of thousands of young men, particularly, volunteered to go defend what was right. You know why? Because it was right. Incredible things like a first atomic weapons being dropped on two cities, Hiroshima, Japan, and Nagasaki, Japan. In a twisted world today, they would have you believe that America was evil for dropping those two atomic weapons. When you know that it was goodness that was willing to do whatever it took to stop the destruction. It was young men by the thousands in boats off the coast of France that out of duty and respect and love for freedom, knowing that most of them would never see past the shoreline, just because it was right. And it was good. And anybody, young people, in a, any smart mouth punk history teacher that tries to tell you that the United States was evil in those situations that the Allied powers, today you, would, you would, probably wouldn't even be here. Let's put it that way. Because, see, it was, it's not relative. And it's not tit for tat. There are things that are righteous and good, and there are things that are dead wrong. Oh, I don't know if you're hearing me anymore. I'm telling you that good and right is good and right, even on days that it looks awesome and terrible for good and right to survive. There's some things that are worth dying for. Are you hearing me? We have a generation that doesn't know that. When you have a generation that begins to think that your founding and your moorings of the country and the church are evil, they're not going to defend it. They're not going to fight for it. They're not going to die for it. Because we've raised a people of relativism that, that we would tolerate the things that God hates. You're not hearing me. When we tolerate the things that God hates, the, the, the lines get blurred. 
and we lose sight of all things are not equal. There are rights and there are wrong. And some things are worth dying for. The God of heaven thought that the soul of man was worth dying for. And he's always been willing to do whatever it takes to preserve the way back to him where it's not perverted, where it's not polluted, and where it's not mocked because he's true, he's love, he's good, and he's right, and it was worth dying for. fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Let me tell you something at the closing of this service. I want to read one more thing to you from the Psalms about those that fear the Lord. I may spend weeks on this. Who knows? How many of you want to hear from God? I've lost my marker. <laughs> no, it's over here. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And he will show them his covenant, his plans. The secret of the Lord are with those who fear them. And he will show them his plans. There's something about not just loving God, but fearing God. Fear is a respect that draws you close. That you can tell your that you can tell trust with intimate secrets. Let me help you. Abraham was called a friend of God. It says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. He learned to trust him in a way that very few of us will ever trust. He says, Abraham, you know that boy of yours that you waited 25 years for? One night, he says, Abraham, you know that boy of yours you waited 25 years for? God said, he said, yeah. He says, in the morning, I want you to take him up to this mountain. I want you to, I want you to bind him, put him on an altar. I want you to kill him and sacrifice him to me. Abraham said, okay. You'll not find one word. It says, Abraham believed God. The boy on the way up the mountain says, Dad, I see the, I see the fire and I see the wood. He said, but where's the sacrifice? Abraham says to his boy, he says, the, God, the Lord will provide himself a lamb. And on the way up, when he, he, he did everything God asked him to do, and just as he was about to kill him, the, the angel of the Lord stopped him and he said, stop. Do him no harm. He says, for now I know that you fear 
me. Now, I, he, Abraham wasn't afraid of God. He believed God. He trusted God. He reverenced God. Fast forward. Abraham come, God comes to Abraham again. He says, you know them two cities out on the plain, those five cities out on the plain? He said, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, he says, I think I'm going to just blow them up. They're full of evil. They're wicked. I've had enough. They're shaking their hand in my face. They're, 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 they're going against everything who I am. They come to the place that wickedness is prevailing. And Abraham says, yeah, I know it. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? My nephew's there. My nephew's there. My nephew's there. By the way, 2 Peter says, let me not forget about righteous Lot. Lot in the middle of wickedness was, was, was righteous. And was living righteous in Sodom. God's over here having a conversation with, with Abraham who believed him and feared him. And says, listen, this is about what I'm going to do. What do you think? And Abraham says, oh my, what do I do? God, if there's just 50 righteous, will you save the city? Because see, God has, God has shared the secret to the one who feared him about what I'm about to do. If, I, if, I, if there's 50, yeah, if there's, yeah, that's a good idea if there's 50. What about 40, 30? Got down to 10. Surely there's 10. There wasn't 10. Abraham was righteous. Lot was righteous. Abraham feared God. Lot loved God. Abraham hears the plans of God and intercedes for Lot. Lot is in a place where it says they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. It says that's how it's going to be in the days before the Lord comes as it was in the days of Lot. Are you hearing me? with no idea that he was within 24 hours of complete and utter destruction from the holy wrath of a righteous God. But the one that feared him heard from him. I don't want to go through life just saved. I want to know the plan and walk in it. You know, in Lot, you know, in, in Sodom and Gomorrah, it says, says, so shall it be in the days before the coming of the Lord, as it was in eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. You know what that means? It means the economy was booming. It means the parties were still going on. That the lifestyles were with their fists shaked in, the, in, the, in God's face. That everything, that they had money, that they had friends, that they had Recreation that they had all, they were living in the old way they want to and had no idea that one day later they're mocking God, Matt. And Abraham says, Oh God, please, will you really kill the righteous among the wicked? God says, Oh no, I won't do it. Get him out. He shares the secrets with those who fear him and shows them his plans. You'll never be caught off guard when you walk with him.
God help us. Stand to your feet all over this place. It's not a hard message. It's a righteous message. It's the right message for the right time. When the fear of the Lord returns to his church, they come by the multitudes because there's power. Father, we need you right now all across this place. Speak to hearts, speak to lives. There's no doubt in my mind, every head is bowed and every eye is closed that he's speaking to the heart of unrepentant sinners today. There's no doubt in my mind about that. But the overriding thing I feel in the spirit today is that he's calling for the ones who love him to return to a place where they hate what he hates and love what he loves. Where the reverent fear of a holy God returns to our lives where we can no longer tolerate the garbage that he hates and being surrounded by it. In our homes, on our radios, in our televisions, in our reading, in our mouths, in our churches that we no longer, it's no longer that we understand, oh, I love him. Yeah. You know, I love my daddy so much that it killed my soul to disappoint him. That's what he's talking about. Do you understand? That, that, I had, that I had such a love and reverence and fear of him, I wasn't afraid of him. I'm, talk, I'm talking about where you love something, when you love what they love and hate what they hate, and when you fail, you're, 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 you are disappointed that you disappointed them. Does that even exist anymore? Church, the call is to the, is to the body of Christ this morning. Who will, who will say it? Who will, who will just, by virtue of just stepping out or raising your hand, whatever, whatever, it is, whatever the step of faith is that says, I want to return to a place where I love what he loves and hates what he hates that I'll walk in the love of God and the fear of God, that I'll lead my family, my church, my, the people I work with. I'll tell you some of the things that'll done. The, the filthy joke at work will no longer be funny to you and it's not because you're a stick in the mud. We've bought such lies that we, that we think we gotta be a garbage can to, uh, so people would think that we're tolerant. I'm not telling you to lash out at people. I'm talking about when the things that are filthy are no longer amusing and you're not entertained by it. Isaiah's cry was, woe is me. <laughs> Who will go? And it says his, his, his lips were touched with the fire from the altar. And when he come up, he says, I'll go, send me. Cry out to him, church. The call was to the church, but there's a call to the sinner today. We got some warped idea that everybody's going to heaven. The Bible says that the way is straight and the way is narrow, that not everybody's going. 
says, Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, the li- I am the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. A good person won't get it done. What in the world's a good person? When the Word of God says that the heart of man is among all things wicked, who could know it? But in an instant of time, He will save you, cleanse you. He'll, set you, he'll bring you out of darkness into life. He'll bring you out of death into life. He'll set your, he will yank you out of the miry clay that you couldn't get in. He will, set your, he will set your feet on a rock and He will establish your going. That's what the Word of God says. He won't make you self-righteous. He'll make you righteous. <laughs> While the saints are praying, if you're here today or you're watching by live stream or you watch years later even, it's this simple. It's a surrender to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And it goes, it's like, the Bible makes it really easy. See, the Holy Spirit comes and reveals to you that you're lost and in need of a Savior. And a preacher can't do that. Only the Holy Spirit can. But he deals with you. And then you know that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And he says, if you confess, if you confess Jesus as your Lord, that you believe God raised him from the dead, you believe it in your heart, you confess it with your mouth, that you shall be saved. And then what happens is you see you're saved by grace. You didn't earn it. You didn't do it. Faith came and you believed it and grace saves you. And then what will happen is the power you didn't have before. See, grace is God's power to do in you what you can't do for yourself. You don't even want to do for yourself. When, the, when conviction comes, faith comes behind it. Grace saves you with your confession. And then grace gives you power to be a new creation. He'll change your world. I'll lead you. That's here this morning. God, I, I, I'm thankful today that you made me aware. You need to pray. By your spirit, you've came, and now I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Lord, I ask you today, right now, today is the day of salvation. Lord, I ask you today, right now, forgive me of my sin. Wash me and make me clean. Remove it from me. Lord, I'm sorry for who I've been. Lord, I'm thankful that you came and died in my place, that your blood was shed for me. And Lord, today I give you my life from this point forward. I'll live for you for this day on. Lord, help me. Cleanse me. Save me. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus for making a way back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You pray that today. Praying a prayer, repeating words won't do anything for you, but when you pray in faith, grace comes and everything changes. You become a new creation in Christ Jesus. It's not religion. None of those things. It's a gift. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. It's a gift. You didn't deserve it.